This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Weber here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And you are either listening if you're on Blog Talk Radio or watching Hello YouTube to the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. Brandon, we are back after another week of college football that uh, saw some saw some big teams go down. Nebraska goes down. Boise State goes down. Washington should have went down. Navy goes down. Ohio State almost goes down. And Clemson, they should have went down as well. Yeah, you know, you you had some really big teams uh, going down this week. And when I, I shouldn't say, I guess, really big teams because the really big teams would have been if Alabama goes mm-hmm. down, they didn't play. If Michigan goes down, they didn't. Baylor- if Clemson did. If Washington, I don't know why you're undefeated. <laughs> but I, I think that uh, Baylor, Baylor going down to Texas. Baylor at number eight, that was a big one. I think West Virginia going down mm-hmm. at 10 was a big one. And and Baylor went down by one point to Texas, a, a rival there. Uh Oklahoma State blew them out. They blew out West Virginia. It, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a tough victory. I shouldn't. I, I, I guess every victory is it can be a tough one, um, especially when you're playing within your own conference. But seventeen points, they had it in hand for most of the game. Uh, I think the game uh, with with Ohio State. They got work to do, that's for sure, and we'll be North, talking about them. Northwestern usually plays them tough, and we will talk about them later in the show. Another big one that almost went down, needed a uh, Lamar Action Jackson phenomenal pass was Louisville. Louisville, uh, and, and a team that I, I talked about possibly being a second team from the ACC mm-hmm. to, uh making it into the top four, into the playoffs, doesn't look so after uh, that uh, win over Virginia. And, yes, they get the win, but they get the win over Virginia. They've now squeaked by Duke and Virginia, two less-than-stellar teams in the ACC. Hey, man, Duke, though, they play teams tough. They played Notre Dame tough. You were there for that one. Yeah. Have you seen how Notre Dame plays, I, plays this year? I have definitely they, they seen gave how Notre they, Dame they, plays. They almost gave away a 20-point <laughs> lead. Well, they did, um, but then they were able to squeak out a victory over Miami. But that every win has been an adventure mm-hmm. uh, for Notre Dame. Every game has been an adventure. But, uh, yeah, so I I think that this continues to just show you the parity in college football and how how one team one week against a good team can look really good. I mean, look at what Louisville did earlier in the season against Florida State. Blew them out, and then they and lose then they Clemson. struggle against they then they struggle against a team like Virginia, a team like Duke. So mm-hmm. it's been it's been another wild ride in college football here in 2016. And before we get into the topics today, I got to do a little bit of house cleaning. Usually, Mike Rankin is the best one when he when it comes to this. I He's listen, the best house cleaner. I, I li- to have him over. I listen to the behind the pen. I go, man, I really need to pick up my hosting. You guys should check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. If you like these video podcasts, you want to see more of them, check it out. Link down below in the description so that we can do more things like this for you. House cleaning over what we're getting into today on the Primetime Podcast. We're going to look at some college football. Jalen Hurd, he's saying that he's going to transfer from Tennessee. We're going to look at how that affects the volunteers moving forward and Jalen himself. Then we're going to dive in, like Brandon said, to Ohio State, their playoff chances and what they need to do to maybe get back into that playoff despite their offensive woes. Then the last time, this is the first time this season we're going to talk about it, we're going to look into some college basketball and look into some coaches that are going to enter this season, 2016, 
on the hot seat. But, Brandon, we're going to start with college football in Tennessee. And Jalen Hurd, the big news coming out of Knoxville today is that the running back is transferring. And we don't know where he's going to go, but he has informed the school, informed Butch Jones that he's going to be leaving the Volunteers after this season. Well, you know, I think it comes as, uh, to, to, to me and you, I think, it comes as a bit of a surprise move uh, right now, especially when he says that he's going to be going over to tra- wherever he transfers to, mm-hmm. the school that he goes to. He's going to be looking to play wide receiver or tight end. And and heard, you know, I think that uh, maybe he's just tired of being on a team that continues to kind of be lackluster for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. when it comes to playing down the stretch. And uh, maybe it has to do with other uh, other outside factors, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know enough of the story. I don't know enough of the reasoning behind why he's transferring yet, as this is a story that's pretty new. Uh, I don't, outside of that, I'm not really exactly sure why he'd be going. I don't know. Well, I'm looking right here, and this comes from CBR, not CBS Sports. This is from the Tennessean.com, and they have a tweet linked from Clay Travis, who um, has a little bit of a note from Vol74 about what Jalen's uncle said. And I'm going to read just a little bit of it for you guys. It starts out, Jalen's worked his tail off since he's been here, and it's time for him to move on. He's hurt, been hurt, playing hurt, even had an MRI today. And it's just time to go. Butch made many promises to Jalen, including running the ball or running more for the I formation. Remember what they did in the entire Outback Bowl last year to convince him to stay. Then Butch never ran it one time this year. Jalen knew he didn't fit the system and wanted to go find a better fit last year, but he believed what the staff said to him. So he stayed. And there's a lot more to that. I'm going to leave that down in the description. But just looking at that, it's kind of, it looks like Jalen was like, hey, you know what? I want to leave. Then coming into this season, he's like, you know what? Fine, I'll stay. This team has a lot of hope for it behind Joshua Dobbs. Maybe we can get into the playoff. We can get college football playoff. And, you know, that like any any kid in college, if you have a chance to play at the highest level and get into the college football playoff, you're going to stay. You're going to stay for that. You're going to say, you know what, I'm going to grind it out just with that chance alone. But you look at Tennessee this year, and, I mean, I've been their biggest, like, ragger. I've ragged on them the most this season to where it's one of those things where they should have lost more games than they did and they've had close game. The Appalachian State one's the one I keep bringing up because it's the most egregious of the games that they should have lost. But it's just, I feel like with Hurd, it's one of those things where maybe he's thinking to himself, Brandon, maybe I should have left last year. You know what? I made the wrong decision. I should have left last year. And I'm not going to wait till the end of the season. I'm going to tell them I'm leaving now 
so that I can look for my next school right now. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't really necessarily understand where you said his, that was his uncle that, that mm-hmm. came out and said that. I don't necessarily understand where that's coming from. 190 rushing attempts in 2014. It went up big time in 2015 to 277 rushing attempts. And he had uh, what was a very good season in, in 2015. And he had over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground. He averaged just under five yards a carry. So things were going really well for him. And then moving... To 2016, he only has had 122 rushing attempts for 400-some yards, but that comes off of the play of the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. You're not going to continue to run the football when you're down by 15, when you're down by 10. And 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 honestly, they needed more firepower from the quarterback, from, from position Dobbs. and Josh Dobbs. Mm-hmm. That's just what happens sometimes. But then that comes to that calls into question the coaching. And why are we in this position? Why are we in the position to run the football more? I think that, you know, those are all types of things, but I don't necessarily think that maybe he wasn't promised what he what was going to what was supposed to come to him. Uh I I think that uh 190 rushing attempts again in twenty fourteen, that's good. Two hundred and seventy seven last season, that's a lot. That's a lot. And 122 right now, he he definitely wasn't going to reach his 220 and 277, but he would have most likely, even if he got 20 carries a game, mm-hmm. was going to get about 200 carries for the season to end to finish out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't necessarily know where it's coming from. And with that part of it, the reason why I didn't harp on that part, I just kind of, this is what the uncle said and kind of threw it out there was, of course, when you have a kid transferring, some family members are going to come out and say, oh, he wasn't promised this. He didn't hold up on this, this or this, because that's just how they're going to be. It's going to be one of those, you know what, what did the other side not do and kind of make the other side look bad rather than. To me, the the way I just see it is if he had it in his mind that he wanted to leave last year, and last year was a 9-4 season, 5-3 in the SEC. They finished tied for second in the eastern side of the SEC. I bet you it was just one of those things where he's like, hey, you know what? This team's going to be better than it was last year. Let me tough it out. Let me tough it out. We could make the college football playoff, and that could be huge. Not necessarily for, like, I'm not saying it's like a thing where, oh, it's going to be huge for me, and it's going to boost my draft stop. It's just going to be one of those things where, holy shit, I have a chance to play in the college football playoff and possibly have a shot at a national title. That is where I think it happened, and then this year happened, and it was one of those things where after three losses, you lose to Texas A&M in double overtime, you lose to Alabama, you get completely blown out by the freshman quarterback and the Crimson Tide. And then the uh, upset against South Carolina, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was just one of those things that said, you know what? It's not going to get better here. It's time to go. And I think that's where the that's why this decision happened now from Jalen. And I don't know if you mentioned this, Ricky, but Jimmy Hyams on Twitter said Hurd has been upset at the way he's been using Tennessee's zone read scheme. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there you have that. And you know, I, I guess, you know, you, you wish the, the young man the best of the best of luck wherever he goes and that he, he has got one year of eligibility left. So mm-hmm. he can he can go to a team and make an impact for, for one final season. And and I think that uh, I think that he can make an impact. And again, it's all it, it's really being in the right in the right 
scheme in the right system. How many times have we talked about this? I mean, I think a perfect thing is Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota went together like peanut butter and jelly because I think that you take a look at that scheme, that system, Marcus Mariota, how mm-hmm. he played, his style. That's what it's like. That's what it is. He is meant for a system like that. In college, he certainly was. In college in the NFL, there's a huge huge gap in well, between. You could even and I say that, that about it, like a DeAnthony it was, Thomas. It was incredible. It you was could incredible. say that too about like a DeAnthony Thomas, the wide receivers, how they use them, how they use the running backs like Kenyon Barner. That whole Oregon, it's not just the quarterback. It's that whole system just fit Chip Kelly. It fit that team. It fit what he was building. With Tennessee, I don't like. I don't know what's going on. Like, why can't they put the pieces together? Because, like I said, yeah, they lost these three straight. But when you think about it, should have lost to Appalachian State for about a good first half. They were playing close by Virginia Tech until they pulled it away. They only won by nine against Ohio. You win by 10 against Florida. I believe Florida had the lead in that one, too. And then you win by three against Georgia. Every single game has been close. Although that Virginia Tech score does not look it, it was close in the first half. And I think we flipped the question on to to kind of get into the second half of this to kind of put the kibosh on it sooner rather than later is what is going to be the Vols' future now? And more importantly, how many more years? I'm going to throw it out there. How many more years does Tennessee go with Butch Jones? Well, I think that, uh, you know, after a while, you, you eventually have to say, look, where do we want this team going and who do we want leading this football program? And I think that at the end of the day, the question is, are you beating the people that you need to beat? Not that you should be beating. Mm-hmm. Are you beating the, the Alabamas? Are you beating the LSUs? Are you beating the... You know, or in the teams that you play outside of that, you know, are you beating a team like Ohio State when you have to go up against them? If you do, I mean, Tennessee's not, but uh, are you beating those teams? And if the answer is no, why is that? And then you have to take a look at that, and then you have to look and say, okay, do we have the right guy leading this team? Is he running the right scheme? Do we have. You know, do we have the players that fit this scheme? Is our mm-hmm. recruiting not good? Do we need to recruit, you know, guys that are going to be in this scheme? Or do we need to change our scheme to fit the type of recruits we're bringing in? There's Those are all questions. I mean, it, ever whenever you're evaluating a team, it's not easy. That's why you look at a lot of teams who they bring in an outside person to take a look at what's going on with their with their football program. The advisors they bring in. A lot more yeah. of that is going to be seen in the NFL and higher mm-hmm. up. But there's there's people who come in and take a look at this because it's difficult. It's very difficult. It's hard to pinpoint one thing. And a lot of times, they don't want to pinpoint the head coach. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it just is a coaching thing. But a lot of times, it just things didn't go their way that season. Things just didn't go their way that season. But I think right now for Tennessee, if you look at the last couple of seasons, things were going their way. And then all of a sudden, somewhere midseason, it just took a 180 turn and you're going the other direction. Mm -hmm. So I I think that uh, right now, I, I think that you do need to be evaluating the head coach. I think that Butch Jones is on a hot seat in Tennessee because... 
they're out now of the top 25. They're not even there. I, I, I think that really this is going to be a tough offseason for Tennessee if things continue like this. Well, and the one thing I kind of look at is you look at Butch Jones's record overall over his years at Tennessee, 26-20. and 20, And, I mean, you can look at it and go, okay, at least it's a positive. But you look at each year, and the year before Butch came in, this was a 5-7 and seven team, 1-7 and seven in the SEC, a laughing stock. He comes in that first year, 5-7 and seven again, 2-6. and six. But I look at their schedule that year. They lost, Here's where their losses. Number 2 Oregon on the road. 19 Florida on the road. They lost in overtime by 3 to number 6 Georgia. They did beat number 11 South Carolina, but then they lost to number 1 Alabama, number 9 Missouri, both those on the road, and number 9 Auburn. Those were some tough games. Now, did they lose to Vanderbilt? Yeah, but when you're getting the crap beat out of you every single game by this tough schedule... That Vanderbilt game was just, at the end of the season, didn't have any gas left going through the gauntlet of that SEC. Picks it up the next year, a 7-6 and six team, 3-5 and five in the SEC, so not winning there. But you look at the losses, ranked, 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 with Oklahoma, Georgia, Old Miss, Alabama, and Missouri, their only non-ranked win, Florida. By that third year, though, this is the year where you want to see a little bit more improvement. You see it. Nine and four. This was last season. Nine and four, five and three. They get to a bowl game. You look at their losses. Oklahoma. It was a double overtime game. It was at home. Oklahoma went on to the college football playoff. Now, did they play well in that college football playoff? No, but they went to the college football playoff. Then you got Florida and Arkansas. Okay, unranked SEC teams. You got to beat those. And then they lost to Alabama, but they played them close 19 to 14. The thing that makes all of this worse is this season because what what we should have seen and what we have seen up to this point before this season, there has been a progression. You won, okay, you won one more game here. Okay, you jumped up, you made a bowl game, you won nine games. This season was supposed to be the, what's that next step? Is it getting to the SEC title game? Is it getting to the college football playoff? And right from the get-go, right from Thursday, September 1st, you started off on a bad note. Yeah, you got the win, but a 20-13 to win was not the staple that you wanted to. And they've just kind of been fumbling their way through the season until they get to the stretch of Texas A&M, Alabama, and then South Carolina. They it was just like, fuck it. We lost the last two. We're not going to make the college football playoff. And this team kind of gave up on themselves. And South Carolina coming in, that's a huge, huge staple win for Will Muschamp, a guy that we talked about in the preseason. But this is something where I wouldn't be surprised, Brandon, if in the off season Tennessee has a discussion. They go, you know what? There's a guy sitting out there that knows the SEC pretty well, not just the teams, but the recruiting game. He knows what recruits want for this region of the country. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time this season ends, we're talking by that Kentucky game, Missouri game, we're talking a little, uh, is Butch Jones going to lose his job, and is Tennessee going to go after less miles? 
you know, I think that everything that we're kind of talking about, it, it really it, it, it dates all the way back to that Appalachian State game. Mm-hmm. Things haven't changed. Things have just been kind of, uh, you can kind of hide it. They've been able to hide things well. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times uh, when we've interviewed a coach or anything like that and we've talked about, you know, well, you, you know, you played a really good game. And they, they go, well, y- you know, we, we had some issues. You know, we had some issues, but those can be, you know, hidden well if you're playing well. But And, and t- Tennessee did that. Mm-hmm. Tennessee did that. They had magic. They had some magic on their side. They had some luck on their side. And, and there's a lot of people saying, golf, I'd rather be lucky than good. That's really true. And that's exactly <laughs> what was going on for Tennessee. They were better lucky than they were good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you look at a team that's tied for the SEC lead and turnovers were 20. They ranked ninth and third down and 12th and fourth down conversions, fifth most penalties. It's, 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 it's a football team that has a long way to go. And, and I think that... When you look at them being two and three in conference play, they're not getting any better there. Mm-hmm. It's a team with a lot of questions. It's a team with a lot of questions, and I, and I think that these next four games for Tennessee it truly defines them. I think for a while people thought at five and zero oh, this Tennessee team was okay. This Tennessee team is go. It's 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 back. We are back. We're going to have national prominence on on, on th- this Tuesday night. I think people thought on this Tuesday night that they would be one of the teams in talks for a playoff spot mm-hmm. right now. Well, Tennessee is not even in the top 25. Well, and especially uh, next Tuesday, it was everyone was in the preseason expecting by the time we get to next Tuesday, which is going to be the first college football playoff rankings, everyone expected maybe Alabama and Tennessee to be there, especially Tennessee fans. They expected to either be there that first ranking or be 5-6 and be in the running, but at this point probably be in because obviously you would have had to beat Alabama to be in there where we are in the season right now. But this is a team where, and I want to go back to the statement I made just to clarify for Tennessee fans because I know you guys get hostile. Um, I'm not calling for Butch Jones's head. Let's not get anything twisted. I'm just saying this year, there are some coaching candidates that could be available. A Les Miles that knows the area. The other, another one I look at, a Charlie Strong. Could get fired from Tennessee. A guy who coached in Louisville knows that southern region, that SEC region. Although Louisville is not in the SEC, it's still Kentucky, which is that region. Those are two coaches that Tennessee could go for. However, if I had to lean on it now, I'm going to go 75% that Butch Jones comes back next season, and next season is his indicator of where we go for the future. Yeah, I definitely think he comes back next season because, a lot of again, a lot of times it's, who else are you going to get? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be better? And, you know, people can throw out less miles. He's the um, only but, one but, that I would throw but out right now. But I think right that now. at the same time, it's how realistic is that? And if you don't get him, who are you going to get? Mm-hmm. Who are you gonna get? And and you don't just want to get a a name, you know. Ah, well, we got you know, John Doe. No one cares. 
you know, if, if you're going to a team like Tennessee, where they're 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 a high profile team, mm-hmm. uh, I think that uh, you it's a high need pro- a, you need high a profile conference. It, it, and it's a high profile job. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that you have to bring in a high profile coach. That yep. and but and that's what Butch Jones is, and I think that he's a good coach. I think things have just really not gone his way the last couple of years, but he's got to figure it out. You know, he's got to start to figure it out. And these last four games is going to be perfect for him to try and get this team to figure it out uh, after this three game losing streak. If you know they can end the season with only those three losses mm-hmm. you know you don't look so bad you go to a nice bowl game you know it, it you can still salvage the season but if you can't if you cannot win these next four games if you struggle in these next four games and have the problems that you've had in the last three it's not going to go too well and i think that uh, uh another thing too is that one thing that tennessee fans can come away from this season if nothing else you beat Florida for the first time in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, it's huge. Although it was a close game, and uh, but most of your game's been close. Before I wrap this up, though, I want to throw out one thing. You you remember who saved the Appalachian State game, right? Who won them that game? Do you remember? Who fell on that fumble after uh, Dobbs tried to stretch it over the goal line? Oh, that's right. The same guy who's transferring from your team, Jalen Hurd. So that's your savior in the game that I think you should have lost is leaving your team. But this is where you guys let me know, let me and Brandon know down below what you guys think. Tennessee fans, I really want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what do you guys think about Butch Jones. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Do you think he should be fired this year? Do you think he gets one more season? Do you think we're kind of pushing a panic button that shouldn't be there? Let us know down below. And that's one thing that I wanted to say too, is as I know we're moving to the next segment, but, you know, sometimes maybe we do, you know, Oh gosh, you know they they lost three games. He needs to be, and, and and I'm certainly not saying that. I don't think you are either. I think we're just throwing out some some ideas. Just throwing out the discussion. And, and do I think that he could start to be on a hot seat in Tennessee? Certainly. I mean, I think Tennessee fans are sick of mediocrity, mm-hmm. and that's what you have, especially when you see Alabama just reigning over college football. And it's not just Alabama. It's Alabama. Florida's getting better. You're looking at some of these teams that are getting better around you, Auburn. and you're like, uh, we're just kind of wavering right mm-hmm. here. You know, now a team that's that's kind of struggling worse than Tennessee is Georgia. They've got some. They got a ways to go. But they got a first year, a first year head coach and Kirby Smart. So maybe gets true. a little bit of a pass. True. He, I won't give him a pass, but I will say true. Um, I, I think that you take a look at at, at LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been a team up and down this season, of course. Uh, but Auburn, uh, Auburn, a team that I kind of had counted out for dead because they had been doing, it felt like nothing. And now they uh, have life. And, and flying way under the radar, certainly my radar. And, yeah, there is life in mm-hmm. the Auburn Tigers. How about that? Gus Malzahn doing a nice job there. And I, I think that with Tennessee – is, is there is I, I won't say that there's a panic, but there's a there's a concern mm-hmm. that we can't keep repeating the same story each season. Yeah, and that's the problem. That's the problem that 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 I have, and that Butch Jones needs to fix because wh- whatever it might be, what whether it's a whether it's a uh, scouting and uh, getting the right recruits problem, fix it. If it's a you gotta not be embarrassed by Alabama. Fix it. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to do this. You are the head coach. That is your job. You are supposed to get the players in there to be competitive, especially in an SEC conference. 
Is every game going to go your way? Certainly it's not. But after ba- certainly back-to-back years of, of mediocrity, mediocre football, of letdown in the middle of the season, fans, you want it to be fixed. I'm not even a Tennessee guy, and I want that to be fixed if I'm your fan. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Alabama was wavering like that, I'd be pissed as hell and say, something has got to change. We can't keep doing this. So... I'm not calling for Butch Jones's head. You're not, like I said, you're not either. But there has to be what needs to change. Then is it the players? Is it the scheme? Is it the play calling? Is it talent? You know, I, what what is it? But a team in this conference, a head coach cannot survive if they continue down this path. Well, and we're going to move on into the Big Ten now. We've got the Big Ten, we're going to look at Ohio State at the end of this. We're going to, though, spread it out to the rest of the Power Fives. And, Brandon, this Ohio team, the the big thing about it, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see we're going to look at the offensive woes. And the thing I look at is it comes down to one guy. comes down to one guy. The field general of the offense, the quarterback, JT Barrett, one touchdown in the last two games. One touchdown. He had one touchdown in the loss to Penn State. Zero touchdowns in the win against Northwestern. And this is a guy who came out against Bowling Green, six touchdowns. Against Oklahoma and Rutgers, four touchdowns apiece. Since that Rutgers game, in four games since, he has thrown only three touchdowns. That is a problem. Of course, now, Wisconsin-Indiana, he did run for three, so that kind of evens it out, but especially these last two, one touchdown. One total touchdown. In the last two games, Penn State and Northwestern, two teams that Penn State, they are, they're not a slouch. Northwestern also not a slouch, mm-hmm. but teams that you would think at Ohio State at their level, they're a different level that they should come out Ohio on top. State would, Ohio State would come out on top and come out on top by you know, couple of scores mm-hmm. come out on top. JT Barrett in those last two games has thrown for 478 yards in just one TD. In the game against Penn State, he carried the ball 17 times, 26 yards. Game against Northwestern, carried the ball 13 times, 71 yards. JT Barrett right now, th- th- this offense lives and dies by JT Barrett. Mm-hmm. And it was thriving at the beginning of the season. It has really started to sputter and lose its steam. I think a big problem in, 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 in who I'm blaming, that offensive line. It is awful. It's really bad. And if they can't get that figured out, there's no way that Ohio State's going to be able to go up against Michigan and think they have a chance. Well, and that's the huge thing. This this Ohio State team, just the team overall, I, I I look at the future, like the future games, and I wouldn't be too confident because you've got Nebraska this week on ABC primetime game. Yeah, it's at home, but Nebraska's a tough team this year. Then you got Maryland. Okay, you should win that one. Michigan State, I'll give you the win there, but that Michigan, Michigan State game could be a trap game because we know Michigan State – is well coached. They just haven't been good this year. Um, and then you got Michigan. And 
this Ohio State team, I, with myself, I am feeling very confident because Brandon, as you know, uh, I'll let you refresh uh, our viewers and listeners' minds of who did I say was going to win the game at the end of the year between Michigan and Ohio State? Who did I say was going to win? Do you Mi- remember? Michigan. 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 So I'm very confident because I think that I'm going to be right because Michigan seems to be up here and Ohio State seems to be right down here right now. Not not down here, but right here, still below Michigan. This Nebraska game has to be, for the offense, it has to be the kickstarter. You, If you're JT Barrett, if you're this offense, you have to have a good game here so you can just Kickstart it. Restart the offense. Get momentum into Maryland, into Michigan State. Then we're looking at a better the game against Michigan. There's a lot that could change before Michigan, but if they come out against Nebraska, have a similar game like they did against Penn State and Northwestern, I don't think that momentum gets any better with a Maryland or a Michigan State. And if this game is close against Nebraska... I think it's an easy win for Michigan. Well, not easy because it's always a rivalry game, but I can confidently pick Michigan to win and go to the college football playoff. You know, I, I think that right now uh, is is uh, a point where I'm I'm certainly going to agree with you. Nebraska is a team that's very, very good. Even in their loss to Wisconsin, they took them to overtime, and Wisconsin was favored to win that game. Mm-hmm. I think Nebraska did a did a very nice job, and I think with Tommy Armstrong Jr., they have an offense that's been actually really good this season. I think that for Ohio State, right now, if they don't, if they cannot protect their quarterback J.T. Barrett, and they have to rely on that defense the entire time to keep them in the game. Ohio State's defense is good, but I don't know if that if they can keep them in the game without without Barrett being able to be successful in the game, without him being able to spread the field, move the mm-hmm. ball down the field, and them having to rely solely on a running game against a Nebraska team that I think would be good being able to try and stop the run there. But I you know, I think that it's it's going to be a very very exciting game come this weekend with Ohio State Nebraska. I, I think that this this outcome again, like you said, this outcome affects so much of what's going to happen in that game against Michigan and how it could be going in. Because if Ohio State loses this weekend, they already have loss number two. It's locked up for Michigan and the Wolverines. Well, it's locked up in the sense if you lose to Nebraska, well, this could go for Maryland and Michigan State as well. But we're all thinking that Nebraska is most likely going to be that second loss. If you lose to Nebraska, it's exactly like you said. You could beat Michigan, and Michigan most likely would still go on because they would only have one loss. Now, that would create kind of a death scenario for the Big Ten when it comes to the college football playoff because then you'd have a few teams with that one loss trying to get in, and we would really need to see what the committee is going to go with with their criteria for this year because it seems to change each and every year. But I'm looking right here on ESPN. I mean, of course, like Ohio State fans, you might not see this as a huge loss because he's only a sophomore. He's only just recently been seeing some more playing time. But their their guy, their kick returner and wide receiver, Ferris Campbell, high ankle sprain. He ain't playing this week. He was the one that got injured blocking for Curtis Samuel this past week. 
And although Urban Meyer did say it's much better than we thought, he ain't going to be playing for this one. And this is a guy who, like I said, he's not your number one threat on the outside, but he's a sophomore that's been getting a, a, a little bit more touches, a little bit more time. And, I mean, he's a guy that has caught 10 passes for 96 yards where, I mean, it's just the development with him. He's not going to be there. You lose another weapon on this offense. And the one thing that this Nebraska team is known for, there's a reason why they call their defense the black shirts. You don't get a cool name unless you're really fucking good. That's that's the rules of college football. That's the rules of college sports. You don't get a nickname unless you're good. Yeah, I, I, I think that for, for Ohio State... Uh, I, I saw that injury as well, and I didn't see that as being uh, that big of a factor, mm-hmm. again, with, with him only catching 10, 10 for 96 yards. But I, I think that for Ohio State, they need to get back to what they had been doing before the last batch of games. Points per game, 42.6. Where's that? Just got to get in the end zone. Where's that? They need to be able to get in the end zone. But what we saw against... Certainly in that Penn State game, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to really catch much of the game against Northwestern this weekend, but in that Penn State game, there was no time. There was no time, and, and, and they're going, our, our viewers are going, Brandon's going back to it yet again. There's no time for JT Barrett. I don't know what has happened, you know, mm-hmm. where he he just doesn't have time anymore. I, and, and, and I think that it's really something that, is really affecting him and this team because they're not 42.6 points per game good right now. Well, and there were a few plays. The only reason why I know this, and I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you guys while throwing an MVP uh, an MVP co guy, I'm going to call him a co guy under the uh, bus is uh, during uh, that Saturday watching the Cubs. You know, I'm a huge Cub fan. Want to see him in the World Series? I was at Dave's house, so every time there was a commercial break. We switched over to a game, and this was one of the games that got switched over to. So I saw a little bit of it, even though I would have liked to watch the Fox broadcast with its within its entirety. Um, and there were some where Nebraska, or not Nebraska, Northwestern, pardon me, did chase JT Barrett a little bit. They did get some pressure on him. And Brandon, it could go into the offensive line woes that you talked about, but the one thing I look at is this is JT Barrett then needs to just go, hey, you know what? I'm going to kill you with my legs then. I'm going to do a little bit more with my legs. And that doesn't mean necessarily running for big gains, but using your legs to get open. And he is a guy that he can do that. And maybe this is something where it's like, okay, if this is how the offensive line's going to be, this is how I need to adapt for this. The one thing I was going to go back to is you go back to that Wisconsin game what won them the game? Was it their offense or their defense? It was their defense. On that last kind of offensive or overtime play, getting the pressure on Hornybrook and forcing the, I can't remember if it was a turnover or downs, it was a turnover, one of the two, getting that pressure on Hornybrook so that he couldn't throw the ball into the end zone. He couldn't get a clean look into the end zone. And is this going to be a the offense needs to pick it up or the defense needs to carry it for the Buckeyes. One of them needs to happen. But if I am a Buckeye fan right now, I am not confident because you guys are on a downcline. The word that I made up here on MVP, you're on a downcline while uh, Michigan state or not Michigan state, Michigan 
is on, I'm going to make up another word, they're on the upcline. That's the reverse to the downcline. Thanks. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that's how it worked. Well, right now, Ohio State is favored to win in this one. Um, 86% chance Is that only because that Nebraska's win. coming off a loss, you think? Coming off that loss to Wisconsin? So you're thinking, well, if Ohio State beat Wisconsin, Nebraska lost to Wisconsin, then Ohio State should be able to beat Nebraska, right? I, I don't know. Trying to put two and two together, math style. I, to I think it's, it's I think it's probably just because Ohio State is Ohio State, and they've only lost one game. Nebraska. I think they probably look at Nebraska as a team that uh, when they you put them up against an Ohio State will will falter. But mm-hmm. you know, well, I don't and know. A, and another thing that we could see, and I want to bridge this over before we go into the college basketball topic. I want to bridge this over into some, I'm looking at an article here on ESPN. It's basically titled Playoff Nightmares, Scary Scenarios for Each Power Five. And I want to begin with the Big Ten. Kind of go through a little bit of each, hit on a little bit to kind of end this Ohio State discussion. Ohio State is the rev- the revolving point or the sun to the Big t- the Big Ten when it comes to the playoff nightmare. Because if they beat Nebraska... They're in good situation. They can then maybe win against Michigan, still get into that Big Ten title game, still get into the college football playoff. However, by them beating Nebraska, that could give Wisconsin a edge to win the West, and we could get a Wisconsin, either Wisconsin-Michigan or Wisconsin-Ohio State rematch in that Big Ten title game. However, if Ohio State loses against Nebraska, and we see Nebraska-Michigan. That's a good scenario because either one of those would get in. But if Ohio State beats Nebraska but then loses to a Wisconsin, then we got some big trouble because then it's a two-loss team in the conference. Do you think that the nightmare for the Big Ten, should we be afraid of a nightmare where it's a two-loss Wisconsin team somehow wins this conference and then we don't see a Big Ten team in the playoff? No. No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I mean, I, I that would have to have so many things fall just into place exactly how you mm-hmm. said it. I don't think that happens. I, I, in all honesty, Ricky, I, I want to be honest and mm-hmm. just kind of throw it out here. We've been kind of talking about it. Yep. Here, Michigan walks away with this. They walk away with this unscathed. So you don't think you? So you think that Ohio State game is just going to be a Michigan win, which I I, I would love yes. because I picked Michigan. Yes, I do. But because Michigan's defense is so overpowering. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're good. Yes. Then let's move on. SEC. Yes. The two game. This revolves around two games: Alabama, LSU, Iron Bowl, Alabama, Auburn. I brought up Auburn last week at the end of the primetime podcast. They're a team that could go on a run and possibly get into the SEC title game. They do that. Anything's possible. Alabama's a team, I'm going to compare them similarly to Michigan. Like you said with Michigan, there's no doubt that they don't walk away with the Big Ten. There's no way. Like I read this nightmare, and I go, yeah, I mean, LSU, the LSUs that we're used to seeing, maybe they beat Alabama. Auburn, the Iron Bowl, anything can happen in a rivalry game, but this Alabama team's looked good. 
They've looked consistently, on a consistent basis, have looked better than last year. I think that, like, this whole nightmare about Alabama maybe losing to LSU, maybe losing to Auburn, don't be afraid. Alabama going to walk right into the college football playoff as number one. Well, here, here's what I think is that Alabama has not run into a team that can stop the run. They may have been able to limit Jalen Hurts when mm-hmm. he's passing the football, but he says, all right, I'll just run for 140 and three touchdowns. Or hand it to Bo. I mean, I, I think that it's been very, very, it's been very nice for mm-hmm. Alabama because they have really had their way on the ground this season. I, I think that the way that you look at this Alabama team and the way that you looked at it last year, I think you can look at it and say, wow, are they better this year? Are they better this year than last year? I think you definitely can look at them and say, yes, I think they are. And another thing mm-hmm. is that I think that this Alabama team, so many times we've looked at them and said, okay, you know, is this this is going to be a test. They're playing Tennessee. Blows them out. Okay, this is going to be a test. They're playing Texas A&M, 33-14, not necessarily close. Sean picked that game, by the way. He said Texas A&M was going to win. Yeah, good job, Sean. Uh, and, uh, well, then again, I can't talk. My picks have been awful this season. I think we've all been awful except for Mark on the college football side. Uh, that's not even that's not even <laughs> fair. But I, I think that uh, I, I think that this these these games that Alabama will play against LSU mm-hmm. and against Auburn, they'll be big games because they're conference games. But I think that Alabama, if they play the way that they've been playing, they come away with wins here. Now the next two, before we get into the next two, about that Mark Weber thing, you want to know what makes his predictions so much worse, and I only noticed this today by looking at uh, mostvaluablepodcast.com. Here's a tweet that he put out a little while ago. People really need to start listening to my NCAA football predictions. Hashtag NCAAF, hashtag BCS. Hey, Mark, the BCS doesn't exist anymore. That's how much Mark, like... He doesn't have a clue. Mark is a guy who... NFL is real football. College football is fake football. He's just making the picks and making us all look bad. I saw that and I was like, oh, why are we losing to him? But the next two nightmares... I think these two nightmares could come true. The first one is Washington. Sorry, Sean. And the reason why I say that is Washington almost lost to Utah... They're a team that, like you said before we hit the record button, how is this team still winning? Why are they still relevant? And you look at who they got coming up, a Cal team that everyone's going to overlook but could rise up to the situation and maybe upset them, a USC team that has been playing better since that first game against Alabama. And, oh, yeah, that's right. They end the season on a Friday, November 25th against right now ranked Washington State. And then if they get to the Pac-12 title game, they'll just have to play most likely Colorado, which is a pretty tough team and almost beat Michigan this year. So to me, I look at this and I go, there's a chance Washington could win out. But this nightmare of Washington losing a game has a higher percentage of either of the two we've talked about so far. Yeah, I... I, I uh... I don't know. With Washington right now, they have the, – the test was Utah. Mm-hmm. Washington's looking pretty good to 
not lose a game. So you think they won't lose? I think the one that they might lose is Colorado's the one. In the Pac-12, if it's a Pac-12 title game, big stage, Colorado could upset them. Most likely won't, but it is a higher percentage of happening than either the Big Ten or the SEC being shut out of the playoff. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It really makes me mad to say it, but I, I just don't. Th- <laughs> I, I don't know if Washington will lose. Like I said, I really think that the, the the test for them was Utah, and Utah wasn't able to. And they got past them to to make it make it happen. They mm-hmm. couldn't give them the first loss, and I think that uh, oh, this Washington team that's in in my opinion come out of nowhere this season to be quietly good, mm-hmm. and now not so quietly good. Game day was there this past weekend, and. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, this is a team that definitely could go undefeated. How about another one that I think could happen? ACC. Clemson's got uh, Syracuse, Pitt, Wake Forest, and South Carolina coming up. This is a Clemson team that has had a problem of playing down two opponents so far this year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then when if they do get past these four, they just got to play North Carolina or Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. This and the Pac-12 have the highest chances of me of maybe being the nightmare that comes true because Clemson hasn't looked like that dominant team. Deshaun Watson hasn't looked like that dominant quarterback. And Washington, It's are they for real or are they fake? They're that team that we ask every year, are they for real or are they fake? They're the Oklahoma of last year. They're that, oh, 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 can they make a run? And then get blown out in the first round. Clemson, though, I think that playing down to opponents could hurt them sooner rather than later. Clemson will struggle again with South Carolina this year. They, that, they, do, they, do they lose that game? They don't lose, okay. but they will struggle again with them. They did last season. I see them doing it again this year. What about if they play North Carolina or Virginia Tech in the ACC title game? Could we see one of those two teams knock off Clemson. North Carolina has the most legitimate chance, I think, out of those two teams that you just mentioned, but I I don't know. I don't know if North Carolina has looked as good to me this season. Mm-hmm. Neither has Clemson, but I don't think that North Carolina has looked like, oh, yeah, man, they could totally go and get them. No, not, not in my opinion. And then the big, the big 12, you're probably asking, well, Ricky, what's our nightmare? You don't have a nightmare. Because no one happened. cares. It already happened. Basically what the Big 12 needs to happen is one of the other four nightmares that we talked about. They need to happen for the Big 12 to possibly get back in. But this is where you guys let us know down below any of the nightmares we talked about, Ohio State fans, any of the issues that we talked about, your offense and this team, let us know down below in the comment section. And Brandon, we're going to move on into our last topic. And it, it, it puts a smile on my face because... It's back. Basketball season is not officially. We got to wait until I want to say it's November 11th or 10th, around Dave's birthday, is uh, when basketball season comes back. But I love college basketball. I love it. I love college football, but like there's something about college basketball that just makes me like I am going to get the same way Dave got during the World Series when it came to the NBA. That's how I'm going to get. It's all I'm going to be able to watch. It's all I'm going to be. I'm planning already to take off work for the ESPN tip-off marathon. I'm, I'm just going to stay up all night. I'm excited for college basketball. Always am. Always looking forward to it. Always looking forward to uh, the season getting started and the games getting started because I just I, I love it. You know, that's 
honestly, I love I love college football and I love college basketball and I love being able to have a Saturday where you know you turn you you wake up, you turn on game day, you listen to that, you watch that, you get the games going, mm-hmm. and then you have the big showcase game that night with a couple of showcase games that night. It's just so much fun. You you, you just live for this stuff. It's fun. Well, and what we're gonna do is. I think from now until basketball season, we get ramped up. We're going to try to have one segment each week where we kind of look at something for college basketball to get the juices flowing. And uh, for this week, we're going to be looking at coaches who are kind of going to be on the hot seat entering this season. I'm going to be honest. I have one already in mind, but I'm a polite guy. I usually let other people go first. So, Brandon, as always... Who you got? Who who you throwing up on the table on the hot seat to enter the season day one? Well, how about this? Uh, this is just going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, how about Rick Patino? How about Rick Patino? Because of all of the things that have surrounded this team mm-hmm. in the last year to couple years, and them being held out of the tournament of the tournament. And those players being held out of the tournament and all of that being forced down upon them. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that if Rick Patino cannot perform, if his team cannot perform and if he if he cannot get his team to the tournament, I think that Louisville will then look for a reason to get rid of him and hopefully then get rid of all the baggage that has come with him. I'm gonna be honest. You just threw a huge curveball at me because uh, I was gravely mistaken because if you guys don't know, we've got Rick Patino in Louisville. I thought you were talking about Richard Patino. I thought you were talking about the Minnesota Golden Gopher head coach. I didn't expect Rick Patino to be thrown out. You said Louisville, and I went, oh, that's who he's talking about. But see, the big thing with that is not just getting held out, Everything that we talked about, like I go back to our podcast now, the scandal, that's the big thing. And it's one of those things where is this going to be the year they move on? And the one thing that I think is going to have to happen is Louisville's going to have to have a bomb year. They're going to have to be like top five, maybe top three this year. Maybe like, I don't want to say one loss, maybe like two losses, like that good. For Patino to maybe keep his job because the one thing that you gotta ask, and I'll ask you this question, is how many win how many wins or how many losses would you put on a overshadow to the scandal that we all talked about at the end of last year or the off season, I should say. Uh, can you I'm not rephrase that question. I don't know what you're saying. Like how many what record does Louisville need to get for you as the AD to go? Okay, I can overlook every bad thing that we talked about going into the tournament. I think they've got to be even better than what they were last season. And they were good last season. Mm-hmm. They were tournament good last season. They were, people thought, Should have been if Louisville tournament. goes to the tournament, they could win the tournament type season. they got to be better than that. It's going to be a tall order. I mean, this Louisville team has usually the tough schedule. They have the tough opponents that they usually play but I, I can't sit there. Like, I look there and I go, they're not going to fire Rick Pitino, right? Nah, I've thought the same thing, but I thought I'd go out on a ledge. He's been like, and it's one of those things, though, where I can see it happening, 
But it's one of those things where you kind of sit there and you go, but he's been there since 2001. He's been there for so long. He's a staple. He's a Louisville staple. It's one of those things where you kind of look at it as like when you watch a team as a kid and then you grow up and that coach kind of stays with that team the whole time and then they get rid of him and you go, but he's our guy. Mm -hmm. But he's, he's who I grew up on. That's what Rick Pitino is for Louisville. That's what he is. And like I'm saying, you threw a curveball at me with that because I thought you were talking about his brother, Richard Patino no. in Minnesota, who has not been that good. He had an 8-23 and season last year. But, yeah, 27-9 and for Louisville two years ago, 23-6. and And this is a team where I'm going to look at Rick Patino really quick. Yeah, the last time his team did not make the NCAA tournament, 05-06. 0506 and 0102. So his first year, and then his one, two, three, four, his fifth year were the only times before this one that he didn't make the tournament. But I, I, I kind of, I, I can't see a moment where he gets fired. I'm gonna throw one out for you that this one, this one hits home for me. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Who am I talking about? John Gross. John Gross. I, I, and this is one where I couldn't let this segment go by. Of course you couldn't. Without bringing them up. Of course you couldn't. How often do I get to talk about Illinois anything on this podcast? So whenever well, I get you a don't chance, really, but you always make sure you do. Well, whenever I get a chance, I make sure <laughs> How to let often you know do about I? It. Well, pretty often because you usually bring it up. I try to. I mean, we got Lovey Smith, and I was like all excited. And then notice how we started losing. I haven't brought up Lovey all fucking season. But. This was a guy, I mean, I was so excited. Like, he came in, and that first year, I'm like, yes, we got to the tournament. We're going to do good things. His second year, 20 and 15 season, we didn't do so hot in the Big Ten, but I was like, 20 and 15, NIT, make it to the second round and lose. I believe that was the year we lost to Kansas. And the big thing, the big thing with John Gross, in my mind, that the reason why he's on the hot seat is his recruiting. Darius Paul, the brother to Chris Paul, you recruit him. Off the court issues, he gets deferred from the team, comes back to the team. I believe he got deferred again. We all had the Kendrick Nunn situation that happened just this past offseason. He's no longer on the team. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that was kind of out of his control was the Tracy Abrams injury where got injured, missed the season, got injured again didn't come back, but this is something where we've seen him bring in guys. We've seen him. The one thing I found interesting is he's trying to build that pipeline between Simeon here in Chicago and Illinois. That's where he got like the the Kendrick Nunns, the Jalen Tates to come from. But when are those going to produce wins in the Big Ten? And I think John Gross, that is... That's his biggest downfall because, I mean, even with Bruce Weber's recruits, with the Brandon Pauls, he had, and I called him Chris Paul earlier. I'm on NBA. I meant Brandon Paul. 8 and 10, 7 and 11, 9 and 9. That was a solid year for uh, for us in the Big Ten. But then 5 and 13 last season, you got to win the conference games. When you're 29 and 43 overall in the Big Ten, that just ain't going to cut it. That is not going to cut it and it's hard for me because I watch his like press conferences, I watch his interviews. 
such a likable guy, says the right things. Like, I, I'm like, he's a good, like, I look at him and go, he's a good coach. He's a coach that I'd want coaching my kids when I have kids. But if you're not going to produce wins, what are you doing for me? Especially with me as an Illinois fan where, what do I have to cheer about lately? Nothing. But we're going to get off that. G- give me another coach before I start crying over here, Brandon. I don't have one. I'll throw one out there for you. Bruce Weber. Another Illinois guy, Kansas State, where this is a guy came to Manhattan. I mean, he led the Wildcats to the tournament in um, each of his first two seasons. Now it's just like, boom, he's just under 532 and 33 over the past two years, 13 and 23 in the Big 12. I mean, this is something where Bruce Weber's contract runs through 2019. But this is a similar situation to John Gross. You got to win the conference games because I look at that thirteen and twenty three, and I go, "You got to win in the bit. You've got to win in the Big Twelve because in basketball, that's your lifeline. In football, it's like, yeah, we we got some non conference games that helps that helps our resume. Yeah, it helps your resume in college basketball too. But you can, to me, lose all your important non conference games." You could win your conference, and boom, you're in the tournament. So, like, that's to me, John Gross, Bruce Weber, win the con- – like, most of these coaches, it's win the conference games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and the reason why I said that I don't have one is because there's there's no real other big, big – I, I don't want to say big name, but even big team, like big team coaches, like a, a, a uh, Illinois, mm-hmm. they're not that great. A K-State – no longer that great. Two teams that used I, to be great. Yes, exactly. Two teams that used to have very formidable programs, but that those have both gone uh, downhill. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, you know, looking just through some of the some of the uh, you know just some of the schools and some of the teams, there's no one that jumps out to me mm-hmm. that says you're really in trouble. Like there's no one in the top twenty five that jumps out to me that says you're really in trouble. Like. Like, if Mike Krzyzewski goes on five straight losing seasons, he's still going to keep his job. I mean, it's just damn good. That's just how it's going to go. But, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. That's the mm-hmm. stance I'm trying to take. In. And, and, and outside of the one that I said, you know, Rick Patino, legitimate, maybe not. But can you see it? Can you visualize it? Can you picture it? You probably could. You probably could. Well, and the one coach that I'm going to throw out there, and you – you mentioned coaches in the top 25, and I quickly pulled up the top 25, and I saw this coach, and I immediately went, that's one I can pull up. What about Sean Miller at Arizona? A guy who, yeah, since he's been in Arizona 2009-2010, and 91-35. However, when you get to the tournament, out of one, two, one, two, three, four. Five appearances, you have three Elite Eights, one Sweet 16, and one first-round exit are all you got. Eventually, does Arizona go, hey, you know what? We we just got to find a guy who's going to get us over that hurdle. Yeah. Throw out a top 25 coach at you. Yeah, I could see it. I, I, I could see who they lose to uh, this list this past year. Wichita State. All right. Well, you know, Wichita State was was good last year. They they had they had some good guys. They had Fred Van Vliet. They had some other good guys at at, uh, 
at the guard position. Your boy from Rockford, yeah, Van Vliet. yeah, yeah, rival, <laughs> rival, uh, rival high school actually. Uh, the Auburn, the Auburn Knights, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, they were they were good. They were really good taking on uh, you know my Boylan Titans back in the day. But yeah, I, I think that uh, you know Arizona. Maybe I could see that if they don't continue to have a little bit more mm-hmm. success and, and getting bounced uh, as early as they have been, then I could. I could see that. Well, the one thing, and this is the last thing I wanted to bring up, it kind of goes to your point that you made about, you look at, like, I'm looking at the article here on ESPN, the insider article that they have, and you look at the candidates of coaches that they have, there's a reason why you're a coach on the hot seat entering a season, because you're not that good, or your team's not that good. I mean, the first thing I'm going to list off, Illinois, that's one, Penn State, Minnesota, that's three coaches from the Big Ten alone, the bottom yeah. feeders yeah. of the Big Ten. I mean, Bruce Weber, a guy I mentioned not living up, but two guys, Kim Anderson from Missouri and then Johnny Jones from LSU. Kim Anderson's a guy, what has he had to work on with Mizzou? They've, they haven't been that good of a presence, especially in the SEC, in a few years. And Johnny Jones, I look at that and I go, okay, you're going to put a guy on the hot seat when he just lost Ben Simmons. Of course the team's not going to be as good last year. He lost the number one pick, and the guy that everyone was saying is going to be the next best thing since LeBron James. Well, I, 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 I'm I, not one of those people because I don't think Ben Simmons is actually a, a 1A type guy. I think he's more of a 1B, 1C. Mm-hmm. I, he, he, he is not your number one guy, and people will rag me for that, but that's fine. Uh, I, I don't think that he... I just don't think that he's got it up here. If he gets it up here, then yes, he can be, but he doesn't have it yet. And and I and I think that if you take a look last year at LSU, who held LSU back? Ben Simmons. Well, and that's the thing. The thing with LSU, and that's why Johnny Jones on this list, I'm most interested not to put him on it. Because A, he lost, you can say he lost the best player. Let's not hold it against him. And maybe LSU's a little bit better without Ben Simmons. Yeah, you don't get the athletic ability that Ben Simmons has, but my biggest criticism was you just said. It's all about up here with Ben Simmons taking some plays off, not going hard all the time. The mental makeup was one where it's like, ah, he's got the talent to be number one, but I would I'm like, I would I would go somewhere else with that number one pick. That's what I was thinking during the draft. But I want you guys to let us know. Coaches that you guys have that are on the hot seat entering the college basketball season. This is something we're gonna try to do each and every week leading up to basketball season and kind of try to balance it with football, bring you something with college basketball because we are getting to that season. It's a phenomenal season. I can't like I wish right now we could fast forward to the championship game for football and then fast forward to March. Well, February. Conference tournament time, then into the national tournament because February, March is my favorite time of the year. But before we wrap up the primetime podcast, you know what we're going to go to, Brandon? You have any idea what we're going to go to? We go I, to it every time to end the show. You got something for uh, Swanee's final minute? Final thoughts? So if you if you watch NFL football at all, you have seen something that has happened for the first time in however many years. Two ties in one season. And two ties in like a week. I can't believe it. And you shouldn't be able to either. And I, I think that that brings up the question of 
Should they change the rules? Should it go to college rules when there's a tie? I think that that argument is there to be made that, yes, it should. I think it brings more excitement to the game. I think the players feel more fulfilled. I feel like players are more upset with a tie than if they lost the game. Honestly. And seeing these ties, how they've played out and how the players are afterwards, they're like, it's not a win. I mean, I guess it's not a loss. But well, I mean, Ty- but, 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 that's, said that. but that's the thing, is that these players don't want to tie, mm-hmm. and these players do not want to end in the tie. They're ready... They don't care how tired they are. They will continue to play until they know if they won or they lost. Mm-hmm. That's how they were always taught. You don't tie. Like in <laughs> school, you know what I mean? You don't. It's There's a winner. There's a loser. There's not a tire. There's not a tire. Well, so I, I when think, you get tired, there's a tire. So I think that the, the, the thing that needs to be looked at is that rule. Should it go to college rules when there's a tie, especially since we've already seen two ties this season? Hopefully those are the final ties, the two and only ties <laughs> we see this season. We almost saw a third one. But I think that it definitely needs to have a discussion opened up among the rule makers in the NFL because that is where the players want to go. That is where I think the fans want to go as well. I got two points on it before I close this up. The first thing, the reason why I would love – the college rules in the NFL, the big thing that you'll see whenever they talk about it is, oh, the number of plays, the number of plays. Well, if you go to college rules, I bet you, I haven't looked into it scientifically, but I bet you you'll get less plays even if you get multiple overtimes with that ruling. And then the second thing, you know what I found out from uh, Mike Pereira today on uh, The Herd? Apparently when they made the rule change in the NFL to go to the if you kick a field goal, the other team gets a chance to uh, win the game. Apparently the head coaches didn't want that. The NFL had the refs and Mike Pereira take the head coaches out to golf while the owners met. Mike Pereira didn't know they were meeting at the time. Owners met with Roger Goodell, and they voted on it, and that's when they passed it. Apparently the head coaches at the time didn't want that to go through because they liked the sudden death of, okay, it ends, it ends. I know if it's a win or a loss. Wow. Wow. Just an interesting little little nougat from Mike Pereira on uh, the herd today. But this is where uh, you guys come in. Let us know anything that you thought about with the podcast today. I want to thank Brandon for always being here. It's a great show when Brandon's here sitting across from me. Make sure to check out that Patreon page, though. Patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. If you love the video podcast format and you're like, dude, I got to get more of it. First off, don't call me dude. Call me bro. I like that better. But, bro, I want to see more of these. Check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. That's how you get it done. I want to thank you guys all for listening and or watching. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.